Next month, <clears throat> the end of July, we will, our intention, it's, uh, I'm going to kind of, this is the direction of the service, but how it actually lays out will, can be, uh, this is going to be kind of adolescent, but I'm going to slurp the top of this lid. So I'm going to turn off my mind. I didn't want to take a drink of it and pour it down and then be embarrassed and so better just to do something silly and embarrass myself instead. So anyway, um, next month, the end of the, our Spirit-Filled Living Service, we'll have it in the end of July, and the, the, my team who will lead that meeting will be uh, uh, Aaron and Megan will lead that, that night's uh, ministry. I've encouraged them to kind of lead into it at a time with, um, uh, with praise and worship and, and that kind of ministry. However, it may, it may go several different directions. I've encouraged them if they feel like there are people, there's this uh, anything that kind of prophetically to minister there, if people need specific you know, ministry in their bodies to go after that. But uh, we're going to just lean into it uh, as far as a, we, the, the ball we're throwing is, is, a, is a night of just praise and worship. And then we'll see how the, the Lord leads. But Lori and I will be uh, out, of, out of the building that night, but they'll do a fantastic job. So be praying and be ready for that night. Tonight, uh, again, June 30th, I'm so glad that you're here. And one of the things I was going to mention as we began the service is that I know that it's the middle of the summertime and in the Northwest, and we have these rare, <laughs> rare opportunities. You know, Sonia, I'm so glad you've joined us from Southern California, but treasure these days up here because every once in a while it rains up here and it's gray but and but uh then we get days like this and most folks or a lot of folks are would just like i've got to be by water i've got to be outside i've got to go for a bike ride a car ride anything to see you know vitamin d you know uh or whatever that comes from the sun but you're here tonight and i'm i'm grateful for it and my and my team you know uh the the they're they're, they're here like I, I think about them and they come early so i think about you know i'm thinking about Team Young and Team Brown coming up and Aya Yumfna and showing up early. And I'm just thankful for everyone's not um, reluctant faithfulness, at least not that I can tell, uh, but from what, observed, what I observe to be fervent and ardent, eager faithfulness. I am so glad for that kind of team. And, uh, and I'm glad for why we, hate, why we gather on nights like this. I was talking with my Jordan, and not not all of you in this house. It's been a few years, but Jordan Dunn is a is a is a ordained minister with the Assemblies of God. He's finished uh, with the AGTS, his Master of Divinity, and he's a youth pastor in uh, in Chickasaw, Oklahoma. Is that right? Did I say that right? Hey. Chickasaw, Chickasaw, it's Chickasaw. It's, I got it. You wrong. Me right. Yeah, yeah. Remember, you don't like how it's pronounced, so it's and I used to say Chickasaw, and he corrected me, so now I am yay responding. Um, but uh, he's been with me since he couldn't even go to the living room theater at uh, Cinetopia. And, uh, and now he's uh, 26? Well, welcome. But anyway, I was talking to Jordan, and we, we were leaving lunch today, and he, he was talking about tonight's service. And in Oklahoma, there's still some degree of more gravity for the, you know, the routine and everything. And he said, well, uh, he said, who do you think will come tonight? And I said, golly, it is, it, I said, I, no guarantees. Absolutely no guarantee. I have no idea. I said, you, people might come. They, or they might be like, forget about it. We might be there with, you know, 13 people and four of them are paid, you know. But uh, here you guys are tonight, and we're glad for it. And we're here on purpose. Already we have intentionally gathered in worship, listened to the voice of the Spirit, listened to what the Lord is saying. And now what we're going to do is going to lean into the Scriptures a little bit, and then we'll close with a time of prayer. And we will... 
pray specifically and then also generically. If you've come with any kind of a prayer need tonight, we want to make sure that nobody leaves here without receiving uh, hands laid on them in prayer. Does that make sense? You with me on that? If you're, if you're with me, everybody say amen. amen. So the title tonight is essentially this, Spirit-Filled Living. What does that mean and how do we do that? Uh, it's, a, it's a pretty long title, but I, uh, we're, we want to lean into it a little bit because I, this is something that I've, I have personally been meditating on and enjoying considering. So first of all, when we talk about spirit-filled living, this is a spirit-filled living service, what does that mean? Well, let's start with the word living. <laughs> what does living mean? Well, it means not being dead, which is a great place to start, right? Nobody wants to be dead. But being alive, we're talking about being alive and not just being alive like having a pulse, but we're talking about spirit-filled living. We're talking about the, the matters of life how we live and the way that we live, and specifically, so how we live and the way that we live being under the influence, the holy influence and the mighty power of the Holy Spirit. So the spirit-filled life or spirit-filled living is living, that's the me conducting my life filled with and living under the influence of the Holy Spirit. You know, I don't, you know what, Sonia is being very patient with all of you, and, but she's not going to be satisfied with golf responses, like, well, very nice, very nice, okay? So, yes, just in terms of grammar, we're talking about living under the influence of all, doesn't, I, I don't know if I, I'm just telling you the truth, if I were sitting in a room and some random, uh, uh, used to be more husky guy said, Spirit-filled living is living the entirety of your life under the influence and, and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. I'd be like, ooh, I need to shout. So I hope somebody else shouts because I need to. Because that's good. That makes me happy. So let's lean into it even more specifically. That would be a general definition. But textually, according to the, the text of the Scripture, what do we mean? Well, how many know there's a, there's a lot of Bible that we could explore? And we've explored quite a bit in different nights. But textually, we have, while we have a lot of different options, I'd like us to lean into one particular option tonight. We're going to look at the book of Galatians. Not the entire book, but significant portions of it. We're going to get a feel for spirit-filled living from the, the pen viewpoint of Paul's letter to the church at Galatia. So if you have your Bibles, open them up, find the book of Galatians, and, uh, and we're going we're gonna to look at how in the book of Galatians, Paul both describes what spirit-filled living looks like, and he provides for us a little bit of how it happens. Are you ready? I was going to say, are you, are you excited? But then I felt silly. So are you ready? Good. So first of all, what does it mean? What does the spirit-filled life, what does spirit-filled living mean from the, the viewpoint of the book of Galatians? Ah, golly, I don't have a lot of time for this. Why do I say from the viewpoint of the book of Galatians? That's because New Testament pneumatology has three main windows. The window of of the, there's a Johannine window, that is the description of the person and work of the Holy Spirit through the book of John, John's, John's record of what Jesus said. Then there's a, a Lucan window, that is, what does Luke describe about the person and work of the Holy Spirit? And then there's a Pauline window. And they're not, they're not in competition with one, or, with one, and one, one another at all. They are, they, they are in concert with each other, especially 
when we take a biblical theological perspective and we see that John is writing in the, as in predictively, he's telling us, Jesus said this is what's going to happen when you are brought into vital contact with the Spirit. Luke writes in the descriptive sense, this is what it looked like as the church was brought into vital contact with the Spirit. And then Paul writes to the people that have been brought into vital contact saying, now that you have been, live like this. So these aren't, these aren't competing voices at all. They are very much complementary. So having said that, now we come back to the book of Galatians. We believe, because I said so, that we believe that the book of Galatians is Paul's earliest letter. He's addressing some of the, most, the earliest concerns of the church. The church in its infancy. What's it wrestling with? What issues are it facing? Is it? What's it facing? Okay. What issues is it running up against? Well... It, the church at, in Galatia had run into, Paul had come, he had preached the gospel, and then there, are, there, there were those that came after Paul that said, hey, we're really glad you Gentiles, you Galatians are saved, but you know if you want to really be saved, we have some dealer-installed options you need to buy. <laughs> Anybody ever bought a car and it's a whole list of dealer-installed options? I used to work for a company that provided those. And um, on the sticker, it'll say something like, uh, in the interior, it'll say Northwest Protection Package. That's me with, uh, one of the, with like a, you know those little bottles that you pump that you spray weed killer, big ones? I would pump a spray bottle that, that didn't have weed killer. It had, other, it had interior chemical. And I would spray Scotch Guard on the cloth seats and kind of rub it with my hands. Like, it took me like about 45 seconds, and people paid like 800 bucks for that. That's a dealer-installed option. Overpriced, unnecessary stuff. Okay? And so, and so, the <laughs> so wide-tied Judaizers, that's a wide-tied salesman, so wide-tied Judaizers came in and said, hey, we're glad you want to buy this gospel, but uh, I know Paul gave it to you for free, but we have a follow-up. <laughs> especially, and this is going to be especially interesting to you gentlemen. <laughs> Okay, it'll read the book. It'll say that. Anyway, uh, so there's a lot. There's a lot that, and and so Paul hears about it, and he's not at all happy. And of course, what happens is it started with and that them advocating for circumcision, but then it was a whole other list of the law of Moses, and most likely not only the law of Moses, but probably a healthy dose of the tradition of the elders, the oral Torah on top. So there was a whole bunch of beep beep. Beep, you know, backing up the truck and dumping a lot of extra stuff that suffocated their freedom in Christ. And it seems like the Galatians, in their enthusiasm, said, oh, really? Well, we must, then we're going to, we, that, if that's necessary, human nature, it's, a, it's an interesting thing. On one hand, human nature, we tend to recoil and bristle at the idea of lists and rules and stuff. And then we also really embrace it. Because it, it, formulas are a lot easier than relationships. I don't have to be vulnerable. I don't have to be obedient. I don't have to, I can just check things off if it's a formula. And so the Galatians seem to eat this thing up. But again, and I, it, it'll take, it's worth looking into a long term if we were just going to study Galatians. But what happens is, as they, as they, as they sought to become 
and I'm going to use the word in, in the negative context, as they sought to become more religious, even though I'm not against that word in, the, in its truest sense, as they, as they, as they tried to become more realist, re- religious by incorporating more legalism, more rules into their life, the more rules they tried to incorporate into their Christianity, the more carnal their Christianity became. Their legalism became, a, became carnality. So they had this problem. They were trying to follow more laws and lists, but they became more carnal. So their, 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 their dependence upon doing the works of the law actually showed that they, they, they switched away from the life of faith and into a life of lists and rules and obligations. And that shift manifest, really began to empower their flesh. So you can read through the book of Galatians and it, there's a transition. Paul will say he'll contrast, you know, grace and the law and grace and the law. And then right about in the middle, suddenly he stops using the word law and he starts using the word flesh. That's not accidental because they, they just morph. One, that, that legalism morphs into carnality, like just like that. And so then he's writing to them and saying, look, you are just living in carnality. You're biting, you're biting and devouring and this and that and the other thing. And so Paul gives them a solution. And that's where we want to d- drive down into. His argument, Galatians is a unique letter. He doesn't waste any time with a bunch of, <laughs> of uh, what's that called, small talk. He has, there's no small talk in, in Galatians. He gets right into, I'm really mad at you. But not mad like, to in a punitive way, but heartbroken that they would have abandoned. He actually says, someone has bewitched you, cast a spell on you. And so he has a solution for them, and that's where we want to land tonight. So the, the problem is a church that has heard the gospel, that has, that has some degree of familiarity to it, but they have mixed that familiarity with a little bit of legalism that has turned into a lot of it of carnalism, carnality. Do you, I'm not throwing stones at anybody in this room, of course, but is there a way that we can say, hey, that, that might on occasion sound familiar? Okay, a church that, that likes a little bit of lists and rules, but also it seems to be struggling with, the, with carnal powers constantly at work. A church that's struggling to be sanctified. A church with people that are struggling with addictions and pornography and sexual misconduct and vile tempers and discord and friction in the home did all i did all the joy just leave the room i'm not not I, I, wait i that's not what this service is supposed to be no listen the idea is we are not the, the contemporary church are, we're just separated from galatia by the way we dress and a few thousand years but the problems that arose at, at first, we recognize those problems today, don't we? We see them present. Hey, wait a minute. You mean that sometimes people can get too, too legalistic or they, they trust too much in rules or they pick on each other too much or they point at people and in the process they become exceedingly carnal and then carnality gets a foothold in their life and then they can't get free and they call themselves Christians. What's the solution? And then there's division in the church. People start fussing and fighting with each other. Cats and dogs living together. What's the solution? Yes, yes, it is, and I'm I'm loving that. Everybody's everybody. Every all three services today. If I ask a question, you guys are answering Jesus. You're not. I'm not going to get it wrong. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Nope. 
He's, in other words, he's not going to tell me it's the wrong answer. You're right. I can never do that. Hang on, bro, just a minute. So here's the deal. It, if you open up your Bibles to the book of Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16, that you, most of Paul's letter have, letters have kind of an axis. There's a point at which his argumentation turns into um, doxology or some sort of a practice part. Like, do this. This is what you should do. There, there's kind of a therefore, usually. Um, so here you have, if you open up your Bibles, I'll do it with you. Not Ezekiel. That is not it. Okay. So I've, that's kind of chapters one, two, three, four. He's, he's arguing. He's talking about bond and free and, and Hagar and Sarah. And he's using all, he's just throwing every uh, argument that he has at them. And then he tells them the solution. What is the solution for a church that's struggling with legalism, carnality, and division? What's the solution? We find the solution in chapter 5 and verse 16. Oh, some of you have read it and are agreeing already. Okay? I don't know what versions you have. They're very similar. But uh, who, uh, let me hear a one. What, what do you have? Uh, what, what was one version? What was the first? Yep. Yeah, what do you have? What version is that? King, King James, the authorized. Well, let's hear that authorized. You, but authorized on a cell phone, so you're kind of calling A, calling B on us here. Keep going. Very good. Okay, is there another version? Do you have somebody else? Anybody else? NIV, let me hear it. Let me hear an NIV. Just six, verse 16. Very good. Very good. And that the NIV helps. It, it takes out that there's a, there, it, it works a little translation for us there. And notice that we heard the word live by the Spirit and then the desires of the sinful nature. Very good. Is there one more? We wanted someone that New King James. New King Jimmy? Let me try it. Okay, very good. Here's the New American Standard, and I'm not, I'm not saying <laughs> this is the right one, but you know I probably do. But uh, this is... So, but the New American Standard is, is a little wooden, and, and it's good, but here's what it says. But I say, walk by the Spirit. The, 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 the original version of the New Living sa said, so, said some, something like to this effect. But I, so I say to you, or my advice to you is this, uh, live your new life by the Spirit. But here's Paul saying, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. The first part is, Paul says, walk by the Spirit. So let me just cut to the chase before I forget to make sure it's clear. Paul's solution, everybody with me now? Paul's solution for a church trapped in legalism, carnality, and division is to tell them, walk by the Spirit. Paul's seven-step solution to renewal and freedom, walk by the Spirit. Everybody say it out loud with me. Walk by the Spirit. This is it. This is his. You say, well, Paul, oh, oh, come on, Paul. There's got to be more to it. There's got to be a longer list. There's got to be 17 steps and the next thing and then the next thing and the next thing. Paul, the Apostle Paul, seems to think that the Holy Spirit is entirely sufficient Here's what he actually says. Walk by the Spirit. That word walk, there's a reason why the NIV says live by, because the word is peripateo. 
And it is, and this, in this case, walk means uh, con- everywhere you walk. If you weren't driving in your car today or riding a horse and anywhere you went, you walked. That, that's a, it's, a, it's a euphemism or a metaphor. It's a picture for your whole manner of life, your whole manner of coming or going. That's peripateo. Everywhere your feet take you, everything you did today using your feet, you li- that, uh, in, in that way, you are to live that way uh, under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And he says, if you will live your whole life under the influence as the, the Holy Spirit being the chief governing influence of your life. You've got to stop right there before we even go in to finish the sentence. He's talking about you choosing to surrender consciously, deliberately to the Holy Spirit all the time. He's saying no compartmentalization. We don't, we don't have Holy, Holy Ghost not just for church, not just for car, not just for before we eat. Imme- the, the first thing that you and I see kind of maybe as we step back and we're 2,000 years later, we can say, ah, the first thing that Paul confronts is the compartmentalization of our spiritual lives. I'm not just waiting for a response. I'm waiting for a for a sea law. I want this to go down in there. Please consider this with me carefully. He doesn't just say here. So I say to you, and and I'm not, and I would never advocate for any sort of dismissive attitude toward this. But he doesn't just say to you, uh, in the using some sort of an aorist uh, uh, tense, uh, have an encounter with the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desire. Do we believe in encounter? Somebody should say yes. Okay. Uh, do we believe in that? Do we embrace that? Do we believe that that ongoing renewed experience is part of our promise and part of our? I'll use the word obligation, but I mean an obligation by faith. Okay. Uh, absolutely. Amen. So I'm not, don't nobody write me off here. But he didn't say that here. He says peripateo. He says it is it is not you can you we don't live this Christian life. We cannot, we must not, we do not have permission. We cannot compartmentalize our spirituality. The compartmentalization of our spirituality is is just one more way that of following a list or 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 in choosing carnality a little bit here and there. If you would decide that you're gonna live sometimes with a little bit of spirituality and other times with some carnality, you that's where we talk about a, a, a little leaven will infect the entire loaf. That's where, you know, you throw, you throw three rotten fish into the barrel and pretty soon you got no fish good. Right? A few bad cherries and you're out of luck. Okay? We must not compartmentalize our spirituality. I want, the, I want us to just see law on that just for a minute. Spirit-filled living means we do not compartmentalize our spirituality. The Holy Spirit has come to fill us. Does anybody still use those ice trays that have a little individual little ice tray? Beep, 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 beep. Our ice tray broke, and so we have those little things now. And and uh, the, all the water is kind of separated into small compartments. 
sometimes, and then if you crack it, sometimes you got some water in some and ice in some and not in the other. And I think about that, that's the image I see about compartmentalization, little spaces that we have reserved for the influence of the Holy Spirit and other places where we're not paying attention or we don't care or maybe other things have more, have displaced it. But he, he, there is no Bible, there is no Bible for compartmentalized spirituality. There's no Bible for that. The only Bible we have is filled. The o- there is no other measure. I would venture to push back and further and say, if we prefer or ask for or are, are des- decide that we want to have some sort of compartmentalization, we might find ourselves having grieved him or quenched him enough that we might, I'm not, I'm not one to say he's going to just depart from us like he did Samson, but there's some sort of a dynamic where we might be, we might have forfeit, forfeit his influence entirely unless we submit to him completely. Dad, are you being legal? No, I'm being comprehensive. The only Bible we have for our relationship with the Spirit is filled. Not we, there aren't terms. We don't negotiate. We surrender. For us to experience what he has promised for us in, its, in, in all of the fullness and all of the blessedness, if we want what he has for us, we, on, we can only surrender. So number one, <laughs> this is probably already longer than I thought I was going to go, but when we see these words, walk by the Spirit, the first confrontation I think we see is, Paul is telling them, you cannot compartmentalize the Spirit. He is to have governing influence. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. He is to have governing sovereign influence over the entirety of your life. You're coming and you're going everywhere. Here's a good example, just to, I'm not even sure how it connects, but I'm sure it does somehow, because as I'm saying it, I'm seeing Deuteronomy 28, when, Paul, when the Lord talks about the blessing of the Lord on their life, and he said, you'll be blessed, blessed in the city and blessed in the country, you'll be blessed when you come and blessed when you go. The idea is that his, his blessing is not compartmentalized in their lives. So take and understand that the, 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 the Holy Spirit must be the chief governing, blessed, sweet, strong influence on your life. You're coming and you're going, you're standing, you're sleeping, you're resting, you're talking, you're reading, you're watching. Just any, add an I on, ING on there. Every, let's sing, let's sting sing it to you. Every step you take, every cake you bake. Peripateo, walk by the Spirit. Say it again with me. That's what, what does Spirit-filled living mean? It means, number one, no compartmentalization. Full. Walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. Our whole, our whole manner of living and every aspect of our life is lived in or by 
This is, the, this is a, if you want to look at the preposition, it's a dative locative instrumental, which means he is the instrument of our living. We live via or through or because of the spirit. Give me a phone. So if this thing were, if this thing were uh, out, of, out of juice, if this thing, can you, I know, I'm not going to get off, I'm, I'm 48, but I'm just old enough to go, can you believe the technology we got these days? But, uh, 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 but if this thing were out of juice, it's worthless. It's not even really a good paperweight because it breaks. I made better paperweights out of, in shop class than this thing would be without any juice, right? So we're talking about the, in, the, the spirit becomes the instrument by which we live. In other words, your Christian life must be plugged in. If you're if you unplug that the Holy Spirit, He is the instrument. He is how we live. Someone say how we live. That we live by the, a walk or live. That's why that the NIV uses the word live because it's not just it, it does. We might it means the whole of your life to be lived from and because of He is the instrument by how you live. He is He is the power that you have plugged into. I don't want to mess with anybody's stuff up here because I would make you nervous. But uh, 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 these will work just fine, but they don't work without air. Okay? That, so the same instrument. This is pretty, but it, 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 all, it makes for a mild hammer without air. Okay? That's pretty good, but it makes almost no noise without electricity. As a believer, you have to live in vital connection with the Holy Spirit, or you're just a clumsy hammer or a gong or a paperweight. So here it is. Walk by the Spirit. The whole manner of your life is to be lived with this in, in, as in instrumentally by the Spirit. He is the chief governing influence of your life. And this is an imperative, which means it's a command. So there, what, there's, there's, there's only two possible responses to an imperative. What are they? That's right. That's right. Yes or no, I like to say, you know, obey or rebel. <laughs> it makes it more aggressive. Okay? Um, <laughs> okay, because yes or no, you can is a, you can is how you respond to an invitation. To be fair, okay, but but an imperative, you either obey it or you rebel it. And this is an imperative. This is a command, which means you get to choose. Isn't that wonderful? Listen to what he said, though. Listen, if it's an imperative, listen. He, he you, you. How many have ever heard Paul say other stuff, or Peter say other stuff? And you've read the Bible a couple times. Okay. Have you ever heard that one of the apostles in their writing, and like Peter will say, therefore make every effort to do blibbity bobbity bop. Okay? Make every effort. What's he saying? Give it a whirl, right? Make every effort. Really go after it. What, and where else? Does, and, and, when, and in Corinthians, when Paul is talking about uh, our, our, our attitude toward the Spirit, he's telling us what? He says, eagerly desire. Or desire earnestly the greater gifts. Earnestly desire the manifestation of the Spirit, right? He's speaking to earnest. He's telling us to desire them. Peter will tell us to make every effort. What is, read verse 16. Uh, and I, let me just play with you. Uh, does it say, make every effort to walk by the Spirit? Does it say, earnestly desire to walk by the Spirit? It says, do it. It would not say, do it if you can't. If Paul thought that somehow you had to go, 
and strain and try or guess or roll the dice or, oh, I woke, look at me, I had luck today. If it was some luck of the draw or some result of your effort, he would have said something else. But he just said, do this. That means this is not hard. This is not a result of striving but of surrender. Every one of you can surrender. You choose this. And when you do, you will be free from carnal dominion. There's the promise. Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the lust or the desires of the flesh or the sinful nature. You cannot walk north and go south. Can't. You can't go north and go south at the same time. You, so, Paul says, if you walk by the Spirit, you are walking contrary. You are emptying yourself. You are vacating the opportunity of carnality to seize you. Paul seems to believe that the solution for a church steeped in legalism, carnality, and division is to be filled with the Spirit, to live their lives under the influence of the Spirit. He seems to believe the Holy Spirit is sufficient. Wow. Then you just, and if we haven't, that's pretty good so far, right? And I realize it's 719. But I'm not going to get to do this next month. So here we go. Let's go to the next. So go a little bit further. So Paul's going to, now he's going to tell us the difference. 5.16 says, walk by the Spirit, so we have, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. So 16 gives us two poles, right? Two magnetic ends here. The two poles here. We get north and south. So what do these two things look like? He tells us, in case we miss it, what these things. So in verse 19, he tells us what the deeds of the flesh are. What does it look like? He gives us examples. How many know this is not a comprehensive list? Okay. He gives us examples of what carnality looks like. So what for what purpose? So that we'll avoid that. So that we know, oh, I, if I'm acting this way or I see these things in my life, I'm probably not living under the Spirit. This is to inform our expectations. Are you ready? This, here we go. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, meaning you, you know them when you see them. <laughs> they are immorality. That's pornea. Pornea. Impurity. Sensuality. Idolatry. Sorcery. Enmities. Enmities, that's friction, fights, strife. Then Again, the, the first version of the New Living says, um, the feeling that everyone else is wrong except for those in your own little group. <laughs> Funny Galatians, that they ever act that way, right? Silly. Uh, outbursts of anger. Ooh, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and, th and, and things like these. Meaning these are examples. So don't think, oh good, I've missed all of those, I've checked it off, I'm free. No, he, he, you get the idea, in other words. Of these I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. You, that, the end of verse 21 is, is, a, is a parallel to, uh, to verse 16. 
if we understand the kingdom of God is the dominion of the Spirit, those who practice living like that cannot inherit, cannot receive, are not living under, cannot, cannot live under the, you can't go south and hope to be going north. Right? You, if you practice these things, you cannot, you will not enter, you will not live under the dominion of the Spirit. Okay? Okay. But, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit. Now, that's terrific. That's a great phrase. The fruit of the Spirit. We've talked about this before, I think, on a Sunday night, and, and Faith said, oh, she had like a big revelation. What is fruit? Produce. Okay? So let's use the word produce instead of fruit just to get the idea. Okay? But the what but the what is produced by the spirit? The deeds of the flesh are what is produced of the spirit. The again, the first version of the New Living says, when the Holy Spirit controls your life, he will produce these kinds of results. Now that's a, a heavy uh, a strengthened, a uh, dynamic translation, but that's what Paul means by the fruit of the Spirit. Once again, we've said this before, let's just remember, how many of you have ever been around a fruit tree? I haven't been around a lot of them, but if you've ever been around a fruit tree, I've, I've driven, we used to have apple trees and stuff around the neighborhood, and I walked through those orchards, and you know what I've never heard? I've never heard the trees going, <laughs> I've never heard them groaning or straining, popping out bananas, Fruit is the overflow of life. How do trees bear fruit? They just suck up the life and let it flow out of them. They yield to the flow of life and pop, 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 out comes these things. And that's how fruit comes out of you. As you yield to the governing influence of the Spirit, pop, pip, pop, when the Holy Spirit has governing influence in your life, this is what it looks like. Why is he telling us this? Same reason to inform our expectations. This is what you should believe should be happening in your life. Did you hear that? You should believe, you should have in your crosshairs, you should be believing and expecting ardently, fervently, you should expect to see these things in your life. Get your faith on. Somebody say that out loud. I'm already cheating because this is where we're going to end up tonight. But get your faith on and believe that the Holy Spirit is fully present in your life, that he is working, and that his work is fruitful and is going to look like this. I firmly believe that the Holy Spirit, he's my focus. Somebody say it. Once again, this is not, I know many of you have grown up and you, and you saw this love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness and all that, and they, you laminated it on a magnet and put it on your refrigerator, and you said, I'm going to try harder to have these things in my life. And then you're frustrated because it's not working. It's because you're not, you can't produce these, only he can. So that's what the Galatians were like, we're going to try harder. Paul says, it won't work. You need to trust more and not try hard. What? Will that work? That's the goal. That's the end of the game. Yes, it will. When the Holy Spirit controls our life, he produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. He, he enables us to live in a manner that is just above the law. There, there is no lawlessness in our lives. Why would that be there? Remember, the, the, the Judaizers came and said, you've got to live. You don't, don't break the law. Don't break the law. Honor the law. Live by the law. Paul says, walk by the Spirit, and you, you, you'll be, you'll, you won't break any of them. 
Any, anything, the whole, as the, the, the influence of the Spirit in your life will cause, His influence, there's nothing against the law. Against such things, there is nothing. Let Him, let him lead you. Trust the Holy Spirit. Woo! Somebody say it out loud with me. Trust the Holy Spirit. Oh, it's so wonderful. Say it again. Trust the Holy Spirit. Wonderful Jesus. All right, and then, he's not done yet. So then verse 24 says, now those who have, those who, this is really cool. Because sometimes it looks like 24 just doesn't fit, but it totally fits. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus, anybody belong to Christ Jesus? They have crucified the flesh. Oh, it's dead. No use trying to tame it if it's dead. Okay, it's dead. Have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So where's your flesh? Dead. How, when did it die? With? So he, and when he died, did he stay dead? How did he come back? Thank you, Lisa. How did he come back? How did he live? Up from the grave he rose how? Holy Ghost. Ah, so if you die with him, you'd hear Paul saying, you died with Christ. And when then his readers go, oh, he Christ died. We know what happened. So now read verse 25. If we live by the Spirit, you and I, just like Jesus, we are that sinful nature, all that nonsense, killed, dead, died. And we with Christ, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, has quickened and will continue to quicken this mortal body. Paul says, we now live by the Spirit. He is the source and supply of our entire life as a believer. Believe it. Someone say, believe it. One more. Somebody else say, trust the Holy Spirit. Just trust Him. Oh, Lord, you are the source and supply. I, my flesh, all that. I don't, even, I don't even have any confidence in that old flesh, that old lust, all that stuff, that big boogeyman. It's all dead. It's all a big lie. Trying to tell me I'm trapped into that. You're dead. You're deader than dead, dead. And deader men can't do nothing. I'm alive. I live only by the Spirit. And Paul says, since we live by the Spirit, since we do, he doesn't even, it's not even a question. He's not saying try hard to live by the Spirit, give it a whirl. No, he is saying since it's already an established fact that you've been, if you come to Christ, dead, carnality, dead. It's tough. It, that makes it tough for these people that like to make this big feed the right dog inside you. That's not in the Bible either. But, uh, uh, but that makes it it's tough because Colossians 2 says it got whacked off. And then this here says that anyway, you're dead. So now you're alive by the Spirit. And since you do live by the Spirit, say since we do. Since we do live by the Spirit, let us also, now here's the rest of 25, let us also walk by the Spirit. Ah, now this is not peripeteo. He's making it more specific. This is another word that I don't know the Greek word for, but it doesn't matter. I haven't memorized this one. This one, your version might say, probably says, keep in step with the Spirit. Some of your Bibles say that? Yeah, it's the same word for walk, but instead of walk as a general matter of life, it is literally put... Follow the Spirit one step at a time. Makes it very, very practical, doesn't it? How do I walk by the Spirit one step at a time? How do I walk by the Spirit the very next step? What if I took some bad steps yesterday? Next step. Take the next step. You don't walk by the Spirit by worrying where you've stepped wrong before or, forgive me, what you've stepped in before. (laughs) You walk by the Spirit one step at a time, and it all, it's always, it's always the next step. 
one step at a time, the next step. You can live free from the condemnation of a, of a misstep or a bad step. Free, free from condemnation. Don't worry, don't worry about you don't You can't get hung up on that. What you need to focus on is the next step. Since you live by the Spirit one step at a time, stay with him. So that, here's, so just into the book of Galatians, we have the important, that Spirit-filled living and how important it is. It's the difference between going north and going south. It's the difference between being alive and being dead. It's the difference between carnality, compartmentalization, and living full. And, and live, the Holy Spirit is the chief influence in our lives. So it's already 90 minutes, but let me just kind of, the, the second part, which I hope isn't as long, is it won't be. How? How do we do that? If the Holy Spirit is the, our, the source and supply, if we're made alive by the Spirit, we, we must and we walk with the entirety of our lives under His governing influence, and we do so one step at a time, thank you, Lord, how do we do that? We do that the same way that Paul expected the Galatians to. Let's just stay in Galatians, shall we? But back up a little bit. Go back to chapter 3. Paul is reminding them of something, but as he is reminding them, fortunately for us, he, he reveals something to us by reminding them of something. So go back to chapter 3. Now, we just need to say this. We walk by the Spirit the same way that Paul expected the Galatians to. And we already know this. Paul did not give a prescription or a formula to walk by the Spirit because there isn't one. He fully expected them, and this is important, he fully expected them to develop, to learn, and to develop a relationship with the Spirit. That's how you got to. And it's, it's worth it. It's way better than a silly formula. You can't have a relationship with a list. Paul does remind them how, and by his reminding, there is, there is revelation for you and me. Okay, let's go back to chapter uh, 3, and let's just look at the first five verses together, and I'll try to contain my enthusiasm. Okay? Now, someone said, yeah, right. I don't appreciate it over there. Okay. Uh, you foolish Galatians. Now, you're all welcome. I'm much nicer than that. You might say, well, you're not an apostle. Well, that's true. I'm not Paul. But you foolish Galatians, and you're not. You, I would, if I were writing this, I'd say, you wonderful heritage people. Okay? You wonderful. Who has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified? So the, the idea is that they have lost sight of the finished work of Jesus. Okay? So he, he's reminding them that he, his message was to clearly tell them that Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. For for 15 years, I've heard Dick Covate say in prayer, Jesus met every condition. He met every condition. He met every condition. He met every condition. Any condition for us to receive, particularly to re for receiving the Holy Spirit, Jesus met every condition. I'm going to just talk about Dick for one more minute. I have seen people, uh, I have seen that man on the floor with some people that I, I probably wouldn't have wanted to spend much time with. Praying them through, believing, because my friend Dick Covate knows this. There is no replacement for uh, walking, living by the Spirit. He is, he is, he is the, 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 the summa cum laude. He is everything of, of our Christianity. 
All right, here we go. You feel, verse 2. This, listen, this is the, he's reminding them, but in his reminding them, he's telling us something. This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Here's the question. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Now, that's a rhetorical question for them because they're going to say, oh, yeah, we remember. First of all, oh, yeah, we remember. He brings them back to a moment. This is important for us because he doesn't bring them back to a doctrinal assertion, meaning do you, he didn't say, do, do you remember believing that you received or do you remember tell, me telling you that something had happened? He brings them back to a definite experience. Now, in Paul's ministry, and we talked about this at length on Wednesday night, in Paul's ministry, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't do the classical 20th century Pentecostal, here, let me meet, let, meet Jesus on Sunday morning, and then I'll tell you about the Holy Spirit at Bible camp three years later. For Paul, the coming of the Spirit was so primary that it was, it was his immediate message. It was, know Jesus so that you can receive the Spirit which is why Paul's letters often sound so differently than some of the narrative in Luke because Luke describes what was happening, that sometimes there was a gap and sometimes there wasn't in people's experience, but that in Paul's mind, there absolutely shouldn't be. It's ridiculous that to know Christ, that Christ has, has, he's, he's op- he has come to cleanse us so that he can fill us, finished and filled. Finished and filled. I don't have time to do that tonight, but there's this whole biblical narrative, the whole biblical theology of, of, of temples that are finished and they're filled. The only reason to finish a temple is to fill it. Okay, and that's what Paul understood. Finished and filled. It is finished, now fill it. So so Paul Paul in his ministry, we know that he is passionate about leading people into vital contact with the Spirit. He understood that that defines and determines discipleship. So he tells them, instead of saying, do you remember, as we might say one day, and I I don't mean to be pedantic here, but he doesn't say, do you remember when you said the sinner's prayer? Or do you remember when you asked the Lord into your heart? Or whatever really healthy, robust, powerful thing could happen. For Paul, it was, do you remember receiving the Spirit? That was the goal of that sinner's prayer, was to receive the Spirit. Somebody say receive. He's talking about a singular, specific, definite, shared, Gordon Fee says, shared, lavish experience in the spirit that the church had. And he asked them, in remembering that, they remembered it, but he said, did you, did, did you receive the spirit because you checked off all the marks on the boxes? You checked all the boxes off on the list? You met all the conditions? You did the right amount of jumping jacks? You were circumcised and offered a dove and sprinkled the thing or whatever else they had to do. Did you receive the Spirit because you fulfilled the list or because you believed what you heard about what? Jesus Christ crucified. When you believe, just like the household of Cornelius, when Peter said, and, and, and in his name there is forgiveness of sins, the very next sentence is, Boom! And those who heard the word, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. As soon as they heard the word, that the, that the, that the thing, that the curtain had been torn, that, 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 that sin had been wiped away, that mercy had come, that the blood of Jesus was sufficient, that there is forgiveness in His name. Boom! The Holy Spirit, who had been longing to be with them Gentiles for millennia, finally gets His chance. He moves into the lives of Gentiles. He says the same thing. You heard by the, did you receive the Spirit 
by checking off the list or by believing what you heard. And they knew it. Well, we remember receiving our initial experience with the Spirit came when we believed what we heard about Jesus. Amen. So then what is, if we're not talking about, we're not, so what's the key? What's the link? How do we begin with the Spirit? How do we begin? We receive by? There it is. How, what, how do we do it? How, the Spirit-filled life begins by? The Spirit-filled life begins by? This is important. This was my whole point tonight, okay? Took me a long time to get here, okay? The Spirit-filled life begins by? All right, so then we continue. Verse 3, I got a little excited, but we're doing fine. Verse 3, are you so foolish? Still a little bit upset with them. Having begun by the Spirit. The Spirit is, we're dead. We stay dead unless the Spirit gives us life. So this whole, we don't even be, he, we begin by the Spirit. We don't get started on our own and then call up the Holy Spirit at Bible camp three years later. Okay, we begin by the Spirit. Paul says, if having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you experience the Spirit and say, thank you, Lord. That was a wonderful altar time. I'll take it from here. That sounds ridiculous, but people live that way. That's called compartmentalization. Thank you, Lord, for that wonderful experience, but I'll take it from here. I'll man man up, I'll soldier up, I'll carnal up. You think you can handle it from here, though? You, you were dead except for the Holy Spirit gave you life. How do you expect to be perfected and grow on to maturity apart from the Holy Spirit? He's the source and supply. We live by the Spirit. We keep in step with the Spirit. We walk by the Spirit. Okay. Verse 4. Did, now, this might seem a little odd, and I'm just going give it to give it to you or to your versions. It doesn't really matter, but let me just throw my, my two cents in here. Verse 4. Did you suffer so many things in vain if indeed it was in vain? Now, a lot of people say, oh, they came, to, they, they came to the gospel, they came, to, they got saved, and, they, and this, he's talking about persecution. I ha, the reason why that's possible is because it's probable. It happened. They probably did experience persecution and all that kind of thing. But in the context, I'm reading through this going, uh, receive the Spirit, receive the Spirit, walk by the Spirit, and then he's talking about suffer. So many things in vain. Well, what if, but that word suffer, is, is the root of it is just pathos. It has to do with experience. And in some of your Bibles, you might actually see that footnote in the margin. So read it that way. Did you experience so many things in vain? Ooh, now, now that sounds like a party. Read it that way. Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected? Having experienced so much. He's talking about them, their experience in the Spirit. He, and I would argue that he's actually saying, having experienced so much of the Spirit's infilling and influence and working in your life, was it in vain? Did you abandon all of that? Because he picks up the next verse. Listen to verse 5. So then, does he, now he's, is he talking past tense now? Present tense, right? Does he who provides, is that past tense? Is that singular? Or is it ongoing? Does he, or he does provide, say that with me, he does provide. So he's, we're in a statement, he's saying, does he, does, he who provi- does, does he who provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you, do it by the works of the law or, the, or hearing with faith? Same question, but now is he talking about, is he reminding them of a singular encounter? What's he reminding them of now? Their ongoing experience. The same faith 
that brought them into initial encounter with the Spirit is the same faith, Paul reminds them, that leads them now into ongoing vital contact. He continues to provide or supply you with the Spirit. He continues to work miracles among you. That means the Holy Spirit in the church is the source not only of their sanctification, but of their service. He empowers them by his presence to be sanctified and to serve. He supplies you with the Spirit. He works miracles among you. Both of these are present activities in in the church. Both of these are ongoing works of the Spirit. And these things are, they encounter them, they receive them. God God provides the Spirit and works miracles because, oh my word, we, how many of you could fill in the blank? If I said it gave you an essay, tell me, please, uh, what are the ways, what, what, what must you do in order to receive the ongoing supply of the Spirit and for miracles to happen in your church? You guys, honestly, a lot of us would, you could give me a three or four page paper of all the things you have to do, right? You'd be like, well, you got to do this, and you got to do that. Well, you got to do that, you got to do that. Here's what Paul said, faith, believe. Someone say believe. 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 Is, it an, is it enough to trust the Holy Spirit? It absolutely is. Faith is the link. Faith is the plug. Faith is the thing that brings you and I into vital contact with the Spirit. Faith. How do we walk by the Spirit? By faith. By faith. And here's the thing. You can hear me right when I say you can trust faith. What? Yeah, faith, trust faith to do its work because real faith will never be by itself. Faith will produce and promote the greatest virtues, the greatest disciplines, the greatest acts of service, the most fervent prayer times. Faith will do all the things that you think you're supposed to do. Faith will make all that happen. But you can do all of that without any faith and end up tired and miserable and broke and, and broken and empty and weak. You can. It's possible to do a bunch of stuff and end up just as unbelieving and weak and carnal as you started. But if you let faith lead you, put faith first. Let faith have its way. Just trust him. Abandon yourself. Trust him. Believe in the finished work of Jesus. Believe. Listen to me. Say these words carefully. Believe the Holy Spirit is fully present. Why? Because you've asked him to. Yeah, but I don't feel anything. I don't care. Believe. You've asked him to. God, it's impossible for God to lie. He loves you too much. This is all his idea. You have to talk him into it. Believe. Just start there. Just start there. Just believe the Holy Spirit is fully present. Believe God has and wants to fill you and fill you and fill you. Believe. Believe that he's present and believe that he's working. Believe that he's working. Well, I don't feel anything. Well, it could be way down in the roots. Just wait for a while. He's not, you're, he doesn't start in your emotions necessarily. He starts much deeper. Andrew Murray said the work of the Holy Spirit goes deeper, deeper, deep, deep, deep down before our, our, any of our feelings or emotions can discern. Down into the depths of our being, let him work down in there. And then, and then he'll work his way out. And you'll begin to, eventually you, you can and should, go ahead, you'll be able to sense him and then feel him and then ex- and all, do. But here's the thing, start by believing. Believe that he's fully present. Believe that he is working and that his work is producing. Believe that his work is producing. Give thanks. Gordon Fee says, oh, Pentecostals spend so much time navel gazing, <laughs> worrying and, and fretting instead of just giving thanks. Just give thanks. 
give thanks. And, and, and having seen what the scripture describes as the Holy Spirit's influence, expect that. He's told you what to expect. Give thanks and begin expecting. Expect him. Expect that list of fruit to be in your life. Expect that stuff. Believe for it. Expect not only for sanctification, but power for service. Expect, expect that he is going to continue to supply you with the Spirit and expect that he is going to work miracles through you. For you, in you, through you. Because that's what he does. That's his nature. Believe that. And, be, and having believed it, just act accordingly. Believe deeply. Believe consistently. And you will begin to do. You'll begin to act. Get out of the boat. If you get your feet a little bit wet, don't worry about it none. Get out the boat. The worst thing you can do is stay in it. You'd be a dry boat sitter. (laughs) The only way to be a wet water walker is to get out. Believe, 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 and do. Trust faith to do what it alone can do. Faith will produce and promote every sort of good work and every sort of discipline. Faith will stir and cultivate virtue and behavior. Faith is the how. Faith is real and will connect us with the Spirit in a very real way. Amen? I've gone far too long, but I've had a lot of fun. Faith is real and will connect us with the Spirit in a very real way. Aaron, play a little bit for us. If you would like prayer tonight, I would like us to begin by just believing. Just believing and giving thanks for the Spirit. But we also know this, it's exceedingly biblical for believers to lay hands on one another and, to, and in that, that connection time to, to anticipate the, the Lord to meet us there. So if you'd like, in a few moments after we just kind of have this time of corporate prayer, if you'd like the ministry of laying on of hands for any reason, for, for fresh experience in the Spirit, or you need a touch from the Lord, you know what, the two things that Paul talked about, the supply of the Spirit or the working of miracles, Okay. We can believe God for all of that tonight by faith. So let's start by giving thanks, and we'll just wait upon the Lord. And if you need to slip out and just enjoy the word, you can do that. But if you'd like to just wait upon the Lord together, and then in a few moments after that, I'll just say, hey, if you'd like prayer, come, and and I'll pray with you. And I imagine a couple of folks might help me pray, and that'll be the kind of the conclusion of our evening, okay? You ready for it? Let's do that.